and welcome to the Your Lifestyle Medics podcast. We're Tazia and Marissa, and we're GPs and lifestyle medicine doctors based in beautiful New Zealand. Join us as we explore food, lifestyle, well-being, and more to find out what you can do to start living your best life today. Hello and welcome to Your Lifestyle Medic podcast. My name's Tysia. I'm Marissa. Hi, and today we are welcoming dietitian and women's health expert Sarah to talk about fertility and nutrition. Sarah is the founder of Your Monthly Club, a business which specializes in women's health. Sarah's passion is to teach women about our female sex hormones and how they play a vital role in health. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. I think um, the topic today will be of interest to a lot of patients um, that I see and I get asked a lot about nutrition and fertility. So we're super stoked to have you on about this topic. Thank you for having me. I feel very um, protective of my fertility clients because there's so much nonsense out there. So it feels really nice to be (laughs) talking with you guys about evidence-based stuff that hopefully people will find helpful. Hopefully a bit of myth busting. Yeah, I think it's a really yeah. vulnerable population because obviously people probably see you when they're often having fertility issues and, you know, probably desperate for anything that helps. So like you said, I think we often get really protective of those of those people that we know um, are quite vulnerable to being taken advantage of and being given the wrong advice because you really want them to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll hear me, I know we're just like jumping right on in, but I just, of all the sound bites people can take away today is you just don't have to be perfect to be pregnant. Mm. And I just really, I want to get that printed on t-shirts and wear it as a cap. In my <laughs> Love it. I'll buy one. Um, yeah, because there is so, so much pressure for people pressure, to kind of go, yeah. you've got to do all of these things. And it's like, no, you don't. And I think sometimes the stress of trying to do that is probably one of the most counterproductive things that you can do as well. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, and I've seen people spend so much money on supplements and um, sort of alternative treatments where I think the evidence is not great. So um, Mm. maybe with that in mind, if we could start sort of a a one-on-one, I know it's a massive topic, but maybe you're kind of one-on-one what you'd start with if someone came to you um, to ask you about your top fertility tips and nutrition. Yeah, I guess like the first thing that I would always talk about with a client is understanding like what is the role nutrition have in fertility um, because there's no magical food that will help somebody to fall pregnant. But when you understand the role that nutrition can have in the human body, it becomes pretty clear. So obviously we need eggs and sperm to get pregnant and men are very lucky. They make new sperm every 72 hours or so which means that while things like alcohol and nutrition definitely impact on their sperm motility and what we call morphology or quality, um, they do make sperm more often. And so when they make lifestyle changes, things can turn around quite quickly with overall sperm count as an example. But us ladies, we're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have. And in fact, I think it's 26 weeks gestation when we're in our mum's uterus, we form our eggs, which is pretty amazing. Um, but we are unable to replenish our egg stock. So every other cell in our body, we get cell regeneration taking place. And so when you get DNA damage, you know, those cells, our blood cells, I think we make new blood every three months. We make new taste buds every six weeks or so. So our body's kind of constantly updating and making new stuff. But our eggs don't have that same liberty. And so what happens over time is you get DNA damage to your egg quality or your egg quality reduces. And there's a lot of evidence that our nutrition intake can help to basically protect our egg quality. I don't want to go into it in too much detail today, but 
Um, you might have heard of something called free radical damage, um, where we know that antioxidant intake in our diet, so from things like colourful vegetables and fruits in particular, can help to protect ourselves from that free radical damage. And so that's kind of the evidence behind the core nutrition principle of fertility is if you've got a really nutrient quality diet, then absolutely it's going to help with your egg quality, not your ovarian reserve, so how many eggs you have, but what you've got left in the basket, if you like. So it's kind of the big first thing. The other really big thing with nutrition and fertility is if you do have female-specific conditions that can impact on a female fertility factor, so things like polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis as an example, there is evidence that obviously nutrition can help manage those um, cycle-related issues and that can improve your outcome with fertility from that kind of angle as well. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of a good beginning introduction to fertility and nutrition. When mm. we were talking before, when we came on and we said you don't have to be perfect to be pregnant, when we think about that in the context of nutrition, you know, a lot of people will think that there's a specific fertility diet they need to, to be on. I see a lot of women going randomly gluten-free or thinking they need to give up dairy or, you know, do all sorts of kind of weird and wonderful things to fall pregnant. But if you kind of really step back to what the evidence is telling us, it's probably most of the evidence lies with that Mediterranean diet style of eating, which um, I'm sure you guys talk about a lot with your clients. Yeah. It's a diet high in plants, so fiber, all those antioxidants, colorful vegetables, um, those uh, high antioxidants, fruits, in particular kiwi fruit and berries are really high in antioxidants as well. Trying to include um, your plant-based fats, so your omega-3s like your avocado, your hemp seeds, your chia seeds, olive oil, different nuts and seeds, oily fish if people can tolerate it or if they've got access to it as well, and whole grains are kind of the other big key point of the Mediterranean diet. That's where most of the evidence lies around nutrition and fertility is that Mediterranean-style eating. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into more detail on that or not. Mm. I was going to say, we, we've actually got a whole blog post on what we call an anti-inflammatory diet, which it sounds like very similar to what you're talking about, um, which is, again, just trying to include all those foods that we know are kind of high in antioxidants that, you know, protect ourselves, protect our body from damage. Um, so if anyone's interested and wants to read in more detail, we've got a whole, we've got a blog post on our website um, that goes into a lot of detail around those things. But it's really cool to hear because we know, you know, there seems to be more and more research coming out that um, the Mediterranean diet, it's its good for everything, basically. I, know. <laughs> I think that's nice because I think rather than kind of being told people have got to do this diet for this thing or this for something else, we're like, let's just look at a, you know, colourful, diverse diet. And you're going to you're gonna tick all your boxes in basically every area of health, even things like chronic pain, there's research coming out showing that that kind of diet can help. So um, I love that that's also the diet that we talk about for fertility because I think often, like you said, people feel like they've got to eat a really specific kind of prescribed way for fertility, whereas what you're saying is just look at eating a diet that's good for you and that's enjoyable and that tastes good. Exactly. And... Um... I think it's about making it practical within your family as well. I also really get frustrated with the honing in on females when it comes to fertility because it takes two to tango. Yes. Um, and, the, you know, I've got these women yeah. who are putting all this effort into their nutrition and they've reduced the alcohol and their caffeine and, they, you know, they're trying to exercise more and do all these wonderful things. And then they've got the other half of the equation. <laughs> chain, you know? chain smoking watching tv and binge drinking <laughs> doing whatever the heck he wants and yeah. i think it's really i actually do couple consults which sounds hilarious it always turns oh, that's a really good idea yeah well, fertility like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think there's often so much pressure on women and we're kind of like, well, hang on, what's yet? What's this guy doing? Plus also the fact that, you know, if you're trying to eat better and do all these things and your partner's not on board, it's going to make it so much harder for you as well. Exactly. And it's probably for the male beautiful. aspect to understand a little bit behind it because I think, um, like, if like I love the, the idea of having a couple consort because then they can understand why it's so important and then they feel more um, sort of involved as well. Um, and it's much easier, like you're saying, to do it together, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think we influence you know, our partner's behaviours and vice versa. Mm. Um, you know, I've got a lot of women who find it really hard when, you know, partner's eating chippies on the couch at night time or, <laughs> you know, offering to make her a gin after work. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it so much harder. So much harder. So if you can yeah. kind of get involved on that level, I think it, it it's better in terms of yeah. how you're feeling. And, and we, we know about. our environment actually influences so much around food and lifestyle choices as well. And so I always say to people, look, you know, if you can get your, get your household on board with what you're trying to do, um, one, it will make it easier for you and they'll benefit also as well because their health will improve by default. So looking at the the couples rather than just the woman, I think, is really important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Would you be, I'm just going to ask, <laughs> this is this is maybe further down the line if you want to talk about nutrition more, but I'd really love to hear a little bit about what your thoughts on on supplements other than, you know, the ones that we always recommend in terms of folic acid um, and then if you're, you know, plant-based, like B12, that kind of thing. But if, it, if there's anything else specifically women should be considering because it's something I always get asked in these consults. Yeah, so um, some of the other supplements I'd always talk about with clients is if someone's trying to conceive, I would recommend getting their iron status checked. So their ferritin and their circulating iron, um, and there's some evidence that anemia can um, disrupt fertility. So if somebody has obviously iron deficiency and wasn't aware of it, then iron supplementation is really helpful as well. Um, the other key nutrient, and I think of all the kind of supplements that um, we'll learn about in my career as a dietitian, I think vitamin D is probably one of the most exciting. And we talk about folic acid and iodine so much and conception and pregnancy and breastfeeding. And I think vitamin D will be kind of the final piece of that, that trio, really. I really do think that. So there's a lot of evidence um, that vitamin D probably reduces the time to conception. So taking a vitamin D supplement, and it's only for couples who aren't having assisted fertility treatment. So things like IVF or IUI. Um, but vitamin D supplementation is something that I often use with clients. It's really safe. Um, people can check their vitamin D status with their GP. I'm pretty sure there's data that around, it's quite old, but um, from 20, maybe 14, I think, that around 60% of females in New Zealand of reproductive age are vitamin D deficient, which is humongous. Wow, it's massive, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the one I always talk about too. Yeah, when we, I, I check vitamin D a lot in my lifestyle clinic and I've been surprised because it's not generally funded most of the time as a, you know, a routine blood test. And I've really been blown away by how many people actually are quite low on vitamin D. And this is in Nelson when we have a lot of sunshine here. So I think it's far more widespread than what we realise. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I didn't realise it wasn't a funded test. I thought it was. No, there's, there's specific things, but for a lot of people, it's. Un- I think there's certain criteria you can get it funded, but for a lot of people, they have to pay for it, which is a real barrier. Um, I was going to say, with the, with the supplements, like with the vitamin D supplementation, is there evidence that so if people do get their vitamin D levels checked and they're good, is there evidence that supplementing is still beneficial or is it just if people are deficient or don't get their levels tested? We talk about an optimal range. So um, I think off the top of my head, you wouldn't be considered vitamin D deficient unless your level was less than 50. 
but I know mm, at the clinic that I work at, um, you know, we aim for more than 70. So there's a mm, difference yeah. between like, deficient and optimal. Mm. Same with iron. Like, I don't know what you guys feel about yes, this. No, please touch on this because I talk about this a lot. <laughs> and I, I just, so, so yeah. often see women who've been told their iron's normal and then you look at it and it's like, no, that's not. <laughs> no. And I mean, like, so, you know, the reference range is for ferritin, are they 20 mm, to 200 in New Zealand? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I would, I think that cumulative reports so and looking at your iron levels, if you've had them taken, you know, every year or a couple of years or whatever with your GP. And if you've just, you know, it was sitting around 80 to 100 and now it's 20 yeah you're not considered deficient yet but if you're symptomatic of feeling fatigued or you've got like a you know you're trying to conceive could we not consider like a, a lower dose over the counter supplement to help that client I think you know we can be quite arbitrary about things when it comes to mm. to nutrients um so yeah I always think about optimal versus yeah, so for, for fertility, because the, the vitamin D, I talked about the same kind of that optimal, I usually say between about 75 and 150 generally for health. And for, for iron, like we know that there's optimal ranges for other things. Is there an optimal range that women should be looking at in terms of trying to conceive have, in terms of their ferritin levels? Um, I'm not sure, actually, if there's like an exact number, but I would be... Um... Yeah, I'm not sure of an exact number that we would mm. be aiming for. I know for things like thyroid hormone and TSH and things, it's definitely it's optimal. Much stricter ranges as well. Yeah. yeah, which again are quite different to the abnormal ranges, but that's probably a separate issue altogether. Exactly. Can I can I just ask back to the vitamin D? Is are we mm. talking about men and women, or like would you be encouraging men to get tested for vitamin D too, or do you think it's more of a female factor? I, I mean, other than the general vitamin D deficiency that we're seeing quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, we know that our ovaries have vitamin D receptors, but we don't know exactly what they do. I'm just going yeah, well, so interesting. Um, so I, I can't comment. I'm not sure if there's a role in vitamin D in sperm production or other male fertility factors. But, I mean, so routinely, you know, if we're thinking about this idea of a couple's consult, um, you know, if I had a client that was in the South Island, meaning they're further away from the equator and less sunlight hours, I would just encourage vitamin D supplementation, mm. you know, around basically when daylight savings ends yeah. through to when it begins again. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's a deficient as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like going back to the um so the supp- in terms of supplements, like you said, so you said you'd kind of encourage women to get their, you know, make sure their iron levels are in a good range. I mean, I often say a ferritin of, of 30 or above is kind of a good or if you're symptomatic as well. But like you said, also looking at whether your kind of levels have tracked down over the years. Yeah. Um you mentioned vitamin D, um, and then obviously the iodine and folic acid. Um actually, can I ask you, I don't know how you feel about talking about this, but there's a lot we see a lot of women being told that the folic acid that gets prescribed is not the mm. right type for fertility. Do you want to do you want to touch on that? <laughs> yeah, that's a huge topic. Okay, so mm. um, folic acid versus folate. So folate is a B vitamin that you find in nature. Um, whether it's folic acid is a, a man-made version that's probably more bioavailable, and so that's what's routinely prescribed and. I don't know really where the motivation comes from around um, dismissing folic acid as a useful um, supplement. I think mm. it's around. Um, I it's probably financial. <laughs> probably financial, as as usually is with those kind of supplement arguments. But um, you know, we need to activate. Probably the easiest way to describe it: uh, folic acid or folate once we take it. Um, and there's probably some evidence that some people don't have the enzyme in the same quantities to activate folic acid for absorption but it's probably a very small 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 percentage of the population and you know folic acid is a 
prescribable funded supplement that a GP or an LMC or a midwife can give a client mm. and women feeling that they have to go out and buy these really expensive supplements. Expensive. I just don't see the value in that at all. Mm. Um, and I understand there's not actually much research to back the others up, whereas we know the prescribed no. folate acid there is. And I mean, it's very easy to get a folate level checked on a blood test as well if you're worried about whether or not you're absorbing it. And presumably that would be a, a fairly reasonable test to get done if you're kind of not too sure if you're getting enough. Absolutely. And I mean, clients who you'll get different, um, I guess, involvement of medical care, depending on where you're, you know, if you're at the GP, kind of starting their fertility journey, I'm sure having a conversation about like a blanket, you know, getting your folate B12, your iron, vitamin D checked, if you're happy to pay mm. for it, would all be really useful. Even your thyroid, I'm not sure if you guys see mm. that a lot in clinic. Yeah, thyroid, well. yeah. um, thyroid is something I'd also be checking. And then if you're working with like a fertility clinic um, where there's kind of that next level of blood test can take place, then you could talk mm. further about if there's other lab work mm. that would be useful for you. Mm, but most yeah, most of those are funded with a GP consult as well. So it's it's not hard oh, to get God. a baseline of tests yet. So in yeah. terms of like nutrition, so you mentioned obviously the Mediterranean kind of, you know, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant-rich diet. Um but and are there other is there, do you talk much about kind of other specific kind of areas of, of nutrients for people to look at besides the supplements that we've talked about? Like is there anything else that I think it's would be useful to people to focus on from a dietary perspective apart from trying to just eat a general kind of, you know, whole food Mediterranean style diet? And the other key thing, this is probably gonna sound really too too simple to be true, but eating enough. I see a lot of women who um you know, uh, thinking about starting a family and I kind of look at their overall diet history and they're eating, you know, less than 1,200 calories a day because they're trying to control their weight or they're mm. just skipping lunch at work because they feel like they're too busy to stop and eat or I know it sounds really basic, but, you know, mm. if we kind of think about what it might mean to eat for fertility, I think you need to reassure your body that things are well in the world and you are safe and you've got access to the re- resources to sustain a pregnancy in an infant should they come earthside and so I talk a lot with my clients about actually just eating enough you know making sure that you're including I call it the rule of three a source of protein a source of carbohydrate and a source of color at each meal time is really important and that can be a really easy way to kind of lift the overall general nutrition without saying you know you have to eat an extra eight serves of vegetables a day people are trying to include a color on every plate that's pretty easy um so that would be something else i know it's simple but actually be eating enough um and the other two things i talk about with clients is alcohol and caffeine so again with that whole analogy of you don't have to be perfect to be pregnant you absolutely do not have to avoid coffee altogether and you don't have to start drinking decaf tea and you know weird mushroom teas you don't really like (laughs) instead of coffee and you certainly don't have to give up alcohol altogether but there probably is some evidence that high alcohol consumption isn't great for fertility and so really addressing how much alcohol people are drinking for lots of different reasons as well which I'm sure you guys talk about too Um, and with caffeine there's evidence that less than 200 milligrams per day is probably optimal for fertility which is about the same as a double shot coffee I think um, from a standard cafe in New Zealand or, a, you know, a couple of really good plunger coffees. So you don't have to abstain from anything, but I think being aware of those other kind of general well-being, uh, well-being, well-being points uh, for fertility, like alcohol and caffeine, it actually is important. Mm. I love how you've touched on the regular meals because I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of narrative around that, you know, women need to be in a healthy weight range for optimal fertility. And that can often backfire and that people, women start trying to lose weight to kind of improve fertility. And then that can lead to calorie restricting, actually under eating, which then, you know, stops, stops you from ovulating in the most extreme circumstances. So mm-hmm. I think just bringing it back to those basics and going, yes, you want to, you know, eat a healthy diet. Um, 
And but you know, res- really, really restricting and cutting out lots of foods is probably actually going to—it's probably going to backfire in terms of fertility. Mm. I mean, it's just another kind of point to touch on there—the evidence behind, like, in New Zealand to get funded access to fertility treatments, there are BMI cutoffs that kind of contribute mm. to whether or not you meet the criteria for that. Which I've got all sorts of strong feelings about. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots, lots of lots of um, debate going on around that area in the medical field, yeah. I think, and, and for good reason too. Yeah. Um, and you know, I um, my understanding is that the research suggests that it's the insulin sensitivity that contributes to fertility, not the weight itself. And so, supporting clients to reduce that insulin resistance, which I'm sure if people search other podcast episodes, they'll learn about insulin resistance with you guys as yeah. well. But um, that's a whole other hour that we could talk. But rather than <laughs> focusing on weight loss, if you can improve your insulin sensitivity, it probably will improve your fertility. Rather than mm. focusing on a BMI cutoff. We probably need to do a separate podcast on insulin sensitivity, I think, because it touch it, it kind of touches into so many things like PCOS and fertility mm-hmm. and menopause as well. So maybe another good topic for future. And mix it out many hours. Hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, Sarah, before we finish, I wonder if you've got any good resources for patients to um, you know, where would you send them for support or if they're just sort of, they're like listening today and they want to get started, like any sort of top tips for them to get started in terms of their own shopping and nutrition or um, anything that they can read or anything around this area? Um, a really good website that I think is really neutral. So there's a lot of, um, I guess, vulnerability, as we were talking about at the beginning of this um, podcast episode around that fertility group. But Fertility New Zealand is a really amazing, they're not associated with any fertility clinic in New Zealand, and they've got a really informative website. There's a nutrition resource on there. Um, you can learn more about kind of seeking, they've got like coffee groups in different areas of New Zealand where you can meet up with other people struggling with fertility. Um, I think there's a, a resource there around like going to your GP and beginning that conversation. Um, there's a free newsletter that you can um, subscribe to as well. So I think in terms of non-bias, neutral, really informative space, that Fertility New Zealand website's really, really useful for people to go and visit. Mm. Cool. And again, like you said, not non-biased and kind of not trying to sell you any products because unfortunately sometimes mm. it can be linked in quite a lot with fertility. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So is there any other points, um, sort of final points you'd like to make or um, anything else you'd like to add to the listeners today before we sign off? That was a really, really interesting podcast. Mm, super interesting. I think the biggest thing, like when I work with women, it's that whole, like, please don't aim for perfection. You're a human mm. being. You don't have to be a saint to fall pregnant when it comes to nutrition. But you can, you know, do some work on the basics being informed about um, how nutrition plays into fertility and also when it doesn't play into fertility is really important and mm. understand it's a team sport. <laughs> and <laughs> making, you know, nutrition and lifestyle changes and your delightful other half kind of isn't having the same buy-in. I think it's really <laughs> the evidence behind male fertility factors and kind of without mm. going too far, I know we're trying to wrap up, but when you look at mm. fertility issues, a third is female related, a third is male related, so just mm. the same amount. Oh, wow, it's massive, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so, and you're going to need the teamwork once to you have a kid, to too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, as we know with children, like it's it's a, it's a two player game, isn't it? Trying to raise exactly. children, so you need their buy in from, from the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool thank you so much well, Sarah. Really yeah, it's been amazing time. as always thank you we have to come come back and we've got a whole lot of topics i'm thinking of that we need to talk to you about next time um, <laughs> next <good>. time <laughs> yeah. cool exciting. thank you so much again thanks for coming on no worries Kakita. see you later bye, bye.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Your Lifestyle Medics podcast. If you know of anyone who might also like to listen, you'd do us a huge favour by sharing it with them. And if you've enjoyed today, please check out our website, www.yourlifestylemedics.com, where you'll find resources, wellbeing info, workshops and courses, plus a members area you can try for just a dollar. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter, where we send you free recipes, health tips and much more. We can't wait for you to join us on your journey to better health today. Today.